It's me, 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 but enough about me. Let's talk more about me. Today is Wednesday, August 4th, 2021, the Feast of St. Dominic. And of course, St. Dominic is the OGOP, and we'll get back to him at some point. But <laughs> you, you've been waiting all day for that, haven't you? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's been a while since we podcasted, so I, I know that I need to come out and come in strong. I mean, we did take some time off to take care of our mental health and all that. Um, <laughs> Man, you're on fire, Super Nerds in Fuego. Well, okay. So before we get going, it's it's me, it's Anne, and we do have a third voice tonight. It's unusual that we mix in uh, a third voice when it's typically just Anne and me. But uh, hey, there's there the voice in the desert is back. Hey, you might as well get me when you can. It's 114 here today. I don't know how much longer it's going to last. Is it just is it just going to at some point explode into a a, a fusion reaction evaporative mist or <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be fire from below or fire from the sky. Right, right. Man. It's always about this time of year that all the zonies run to California because they don't have their own ocean. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. We've actually had we had more rain in July than we had in like 20 years, which is good because we really needed it because it basically it basically didn't rain for two years, mm-hmm. uh, which is unusual even in the in the desert. So we got a lot of rain actually so much that we had flooding in many places. We actually had tragically uh, uh, some kids and some teenagers that were swept away in some of the rushing water. Oh, and, um, yeah, it, it's, it's very, very unusual and, you know, the rain is much needed, but we got so much of it all at once that, and now there's like apocalyptic critters coming out of the, every kind of, uh, insect and, you know, we don't typically have a lot of critters here other than scorpions once in a while, but insects and cockroaches and things that you don't usually see, uh, and and people coming down with desert fever, which is a real thing, although I've, I've never really been sure what that is. But with so much rain and so much just turbulence in the atmosphere that we had over the last week, uh, some strange things. It sounds kind of like the plagues a little bit with little, strange little insects rolling in and everything. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well. Although yeah. our listeners in Oklahoma would say, hey, welcome to a normal summer in, in right. uh, Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had some thunderstorms last week that were i've been here 10 years and i've never experienced the midwestern type thunderstorms like i'm used to from being living in texas and living in in illinois we had those last week here in the desert and people did not know how to deal with it yeah i'm sure i'm sure man all right well well it's the weather. It's a, it's always a game of averages, you know. You you you. There's feast and there's famine, and it, and statistically, it all averages out. So, um, what we will we will not yet declare that it is the end of the world. Not quite yet. So, hang in there. Hey, hang a, in there. There's a question Arizona. later on that that kind of borders on that. So I'll I'll just you know spoiler for later on. I got I got a question. Okay. For that. All right. <laughs> but getting back to, to uh, taking time for your mental health, whether it's uh, desert fever and, uh, oh my gosh, it's humid in, in, in Arizona. You know, welcome to Texas and, and Oklahoma and all the Midwest. Um, 
there was, and, and, and maybe it's not the best topic to lead with, but but it was it's it's top of the news right now because they got this uh, Olympic thing going on, um, in an off year because uh, everyone COVIDed out last year. Uh, the the top American gymnast or one of the top American gymnasts decided just to oh she's simply the top not, she's the top <laughs> yeah go ahead uh, decided that she needed to pull out of competition to focus on her mental health and when I say I don't know if I'm exaggerating on this because I'm not exactly an aficionado of, of women's gymnastics at the Olympic level, but I've heard the comparison. She's like the Michael Jordan of women's gymnastics, which I don't know what that makes Mary Lou Retton, but um, maybe the Larry oh, Bird. She, she's even, she's beyond Michael Jordan. She is so completely dominant that, uh, she, that what people say about her is that she's based, and she's started saying this about herself. I mean, our our, our young lady has some has some problems that she was she was basically only competing against herself she could her she's so far beyond everybody else she could literally fall fall on every event and her difficulty is so far beyond what everyone else is doing that she would still win and still win easily so she start she this is so bad she started a hashtag Simone against herself I mean, talk about braggadocio and a lack of humility. Um, and, you know, this whole, I, I, she comes out and says, I have to quit for my mental health. Okay, hold on, hold on. Y- you have to quit for your mental health. You continue to train elite level gymnastics for five years after the 2016 Olympics. You make all the time commitment. You put in all the training you go to Tokyo, you you flutz one vault, and you declare, "Oh, that's it! I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop. I'm just gonna quit now." So you've taken away a space that some other girl who's trained her entire life could have had because, on a whim, you decide, eh, "I'm just gonna quit," um, and declare it's okay. This and it's very important. She declared that she was quitting because of her mental health. Then a few hours later, she comes out and she says this thing. Oh, I have the I have what we call the twisties. I, I have like a inner ear thing and I can't perceive where where my body is twisting, twisting in the air. So I can't do anything. Now, wait a minute. You said you had a mental health problem when you first quit. Well, by coming um, out with the medical diagnosis after saying mental health kind of proves her point, doesn't it? Well, and now we're getting to that. Here now there were two there were two rumors and they they were just rumors that immediately started flying around. Number one, and remember, um, Simone Biles is twenty four years old. She's she's an adult woman. She claims to be a devout practicing Novus Ordo Catholic, but she's a, she's a twenty four year old woman. And if you look at her, her social media and like for example her Instagram feed. It's basically as close to being pornographic bikini shots as you can get. It's kind of a, it's almost like an OnlyFans uh, level situation. So that's a red flag. She's 24 years old. A lot of people start saying, uh, I bet she's pregnant. Well, I, I don't believe that that's true. The other rumor, which I thought, ah, this might be it, is people were saying, Okay, she's clearly going to win multiple gold medals. Okay. Has she been put under pressure by Black Lives Matter and insaniacs like that 
that if she wins and she's standing on the top step with a gold medal around her neck, that she's going to be expected to kneel or something. And she doesn't want to do that. And she's freaking out. And she pulled this quitting stunt. And I said, okay, that, that might have some, some credence. That makes, that makes good sense, actually, in terms of what's going on here. But then you start sniffing around even more, and what comes and what comes out is that Simone Biles has been on Adderall for basically her entire life. And Adderall is the drug that they give people, and it is an it's an amphetamine. It is an amphetamine. Look it up. A D D E R A L L. Adderall. And they give it to people and kids with um, ADHD, you know, the attention deficit disorder. So she's been on this for basically her entire life. She goes to Tokyo and they say, nope, you cannot be on this. This is amphetamine and you will fail doping tests. You are not permitted to compete being on this drug. So she comes off of Adderall. She's had to withdraw withdraw from Adderall. And guess what the symptoms, the withdrawal symptoms of coming off of Adderall are? Mood disorder and what appears, what appears and feels like alcohol intoxication. So, yeah. Twisties, exactly. So the issue here is I, I think what happened was the Adderall. But the moral problem in all of this is now quitting is the highest virtue apparently in the world and she's a hero because she quit and bailed on her team and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mark, I think you have a rant on this too. Well, it, the story continued then because, of course, they had it turned into or they tried to turn it into this tear-jerking comeback story because then she announced that she unquit and she was coming back for the beam yeah, and ended up winning the silver medal there. So... The whole thing to me, and it was actually when I when I saw some people suggesting about she was under pressure from Black Lives Matter and didn't want to have that uh, sort of you know as the women's soccer team was kneeling all over the place, yeah. she didn't want to, she didn't want to have that spotlight on her or was you threatened, know. you know. Well, would that it were that if that were the case, but I, I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of other things going on here and um she yeah. just and immediately immediately what i thought of <laughs> and you did too ann because you beat me to it was 1996 and mm, carrie mm-hmm. struck and i couldn't even remember her name i had to mm-hmm. look it up but mm-hmm. and this is it's hard to believe this is 25 years ago but yeah. carrie struck on i don't know if she had a broken ankle but her ankle was mush yeah and she had to go back up there and vault because her first vault wasn't good enough and the Americans were going to lose the gold medal. Yeah. So she basically went back up there on a completely busted ankle and vaulted to get a score high enough to win the team gold. Yeah. Just, and, you know, compare and contrast. Compare and contrast. And people say, well, Bella Caroli was standing there yelling at her. Well, it's it's all recorded. The video, you can watch it. She does her first vault, Carrie Strug. She does her first vault and sits it down. 
and tweaks her ankle. She clearly tweaked her ankle and she's walking back and she's shaking her ankle out, shake, 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 and she's kind of doing the little jog in place thing, trying to loosen that ankle back up. And Bella Caroli is saying, you can do it, you can do it. And she she's on board with that plan. If, if, if she wanted to not do it, she could have said, no, I can't. She, if, if her ankle was completely, totally broken at that point, she said she could have said no. Was she under pressure? Sure she was, but that's, that's part of it. And th- I gave this rant in my cattle marketing school of this whole notion that nobody, and we do this to children, nobody's ever supposed to feel any pressure and you, you need to live a life so that you are never under any pressure and, you know, you never have to step up and take responsibility for anything. Um, and our, our entire culture is geared towards this when the fact of the matter is this is, a, this is an extremely important part of the human experience is that sometimes in life things happen And you've got to do things that maybe you don't want to do. You've got to do things that are risky. You've got to do, you're in situations where you have to step up and you have to step up almost always for other people, you know, in in the case of Carrie Strug, it was to win the gold medal for, for the team. Um, And now in this, in this completely bizarro upside down world, it's me, 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 but enough about me. Let's talk more about me. And and so the, if you just invert everything, it becomes quit. Screw over your team. Abandon, abandon your confreres. You know, that is the highest virtue. You are you are a living saint for doing this. And of course, it's completely inverted. It's absolutely inverted. And then when we get into questions of what is the true motivation for why this happened, et cetera, et cetera. And the other thing that bothered me so much is that she was just really happy after all of this. She, she wasn't, you know, devastated or, or anything else. She's, she goes and she acts like she's, she's really happy as she's watching her teammates compete and they, she won a silver medal. They won the silver team medal without her. And I mean, she's posing for pictures and big, huge smile and super happy and taking the picture, you know, where they're biting the medal and all that. And it, it the whole tone of it just seemed really weird and really off. Um, but and that I tells guess you she, something right there that when yeah. you, when you have that feeling like this doesn't seem because when it first happened, I thought to myself, and I'm, you know, I'm just getting this off news reports. I haven't seen one minute of the Olympics. Sure. But when yeah. I when I when I saw or where I read what had happened, the of course I thought, well, especially if we're talking about the vault, you really can kill yourself if you lose your if you lose where you are in the yeah. air. Uh, I mean, you not that I've ever done head. it, but yeah. yeah, you could kill yourself for sure. So that's a concern. But the way the whole thing unfolded, just there was something about it that didn't seem right from the very start. And when yeah. that, when you get that feeling, you're almost always right. Yeah. Could it possibly yeah. be that as a professional athlete, since those are now uh, allowable in the Olympics, she had endorsement contracts that were void if she did not actually go to the Olympics? Uh, very possibly. That's a great point. And yeah, she's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. I don't know if she's, I don't know if Nike is her brand, but oh yeah, she went pro 
like way young, obviously. She never she never did anything with NCAA. Most of those girls, you know, they're amateurs and then they retire from the what's called the elite gymnastic level, which is like the Olympic level. And the American girls and some foreign girls go into NCAA gymnastics and they do and they do all that. She never did any of that. She's 24 and she's been professional and she's been going all along and improving. I mean, her level of difficulty relative to where she was in 2016 is through the roof. And she she's been doing things up until right before the Olympics she says, I have the twisties. Um, this woman innovated and has been doing uh, all the way up until the Olympics on the floor exercise. She does a double backflip with three twists. Most male gymnasts can't do that. And, and she does it and it looks like it's easy. I mean, she just falls out of the sky. There's been no indication whatsoever that she had any an inner ear twisty problem. She innovated and was going to perform her dismount off the balance beam, a double backflip with two twists. No one else in the world can even contemplate doing that. She's completely in a class by herself and she's been doing it and she's been rocking it. She's been doing all kinds of things on the vault and just nailing it, sticking the landing, falling out of the sky high it's uh, vaulting and getting height that the male vaulters can't even get no indication whatsoever of any of this and then all of a sudden eh, i've got the twisties uh no I'll tell you what, you're though, coming Annette, off the adderall honey that you know? adderall angle explains if that's true that would explain honestly that would explain it all because yep. if you're if you're if you're having withdrawal symptoms from Adderall and it's a question of mental focus, yep. oh man, that's a disaster. Yep. And and then in a sense she is telling the truth because it is a mental it's a right. mental thing, but it's also a pharmacological thing. And there was some theory that she thought she was going to be able to get away with it because she's Simone Biles, and she made another remark that's that's true and also very telling. She made the remark that basically the entire Tokyo Olympic Games was essentially about her, and it's true. I have I had I never heard anything, and again, I haven't seen any of the Olympics at all. I don't even know how people watch them anymore. I don't know if they were being shown on old traditional broadcast television or or if you had to subscribe to some streaming thing or something. I don't even know. I've just read all of this. I haven't seen anything. But she said that, you know, the entire Olympics are all about me, which while a profoundly um, braggadocious comment, it's also true in a certain sense. I have no idea who the sprinters are. I have no idea who the swimmers or the divers or any of those other, you know, traditional Olympic sports where, you know, you're usually vaguely aware of, of this athlete coming into this and that athlete going into that. I don't know anything, nothing about any of the other events. The only thing this was about was Simone Biles. And well, part so of that's be part of that's because the gymnastics comes first. So you'll see more reporting on things like track and field and some of the other team sports as the however long, 16 days, I think it lasts. Yeah, yeah. As we get into like next week, I think you'll see more of that. Again, I'm detached from it too. Yeah. And, you know, I know that it's on NBC 
and I don't and have NBC cable or anything like losing, that. But and NBC is losing their shirt on this one. They one one of the things I heard is that uh, viewership is down forty four percent. Oh yeah, yeah. And they are demanding make goods from the IOC next time around because I, I think they're going to take a bath upwards of five hundred million dollars. Based well, on, the, Jap- based- the Japanese wanted to cancel it. The Japanese did not want it to even happen. And I think that NBC, being the multi-multi-billion dollar conglomerate that it is, went to the Japanese and and got loud, you know, and got, got thuggish and said, this is happening. This is happening. My, under- my understanding is, is that if, if Japan... If the Japanese Olympic Committee slash Japan said we're canceling the Olympics, then then the then Japan would have to make good and pay everybody else who was out money. But if the International Olympic Committee were to cancel, then that voids all the contracts and all the, all uh. the uh, demands for make good. And the IOC said we've got to do this because we can't go six years and then two on the Summer Olympics. So come hell or high water or COVID or whoever coughs or falls or dead or whatever, we, we've got to make sure these games happen. And what this ends up being, especially in the case of with, with the way things are in Japan right now, and basically nobody's going to the events. And in terms no, of nobody can, they're all closed. Yeah. yeah. And in, in terms of, of who, who can you, who could you have named as an Olympic athlete prior to the Olympics? Um, Simone Biles, I'm, I'm with you there. I could have named her, although I would have forgotten her name, but as soon as you said it, I would have remembered mm-hmm. it. And Bruce Springsteen's daughter. I, I had no idea about she, that. What no, does she she's, do? Uh, she, she's an equestrian. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. And apparently yeah, I mean, he was he was trying to make uh, waves and, and, and call in favors and, and, and make payments to whoever he had to to be in attendance to watch his daughter perform in the Olympics. I guess she's really that good of an equestrian. Hmm. Because Usain Bolt, the sprinter, he's retired, so that is the only name I know in track, male or female. Um what else is there? Diving is so gay anymore that I'm just, I have no interest in watching that. Um, There's the show title right there. <laughs> diving is so gay. <laughs> um, the problem else? is there are so many sports that you you would think shouldn't even be in the Olympics, like golf, soccer. Um, there's uh, beach volleyball. Yeah. There, there's, they're getting all the exports in there as well now. It, it's. I'm surprised there's not like competitive skydiving or something like that. But don't say it too loud. They might include that next time around. Oh yeah. Um, baseball is apparently back in, and the only reason I know that is because um, one of the YouTube channels that I, that I get updates on is a guy who makes really humorous commentary on whatever sporting things are going on, and he mentioned that the Japanese. John Boy. John yeah, Boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's he's a bit foul mouthed. That's why I wasn't going to drop his name. But yeah. Anyway, um, he 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 had a video on there about uh, the Japanese team having having a, a walk off and also commenting that the the home t- they they brought baseball back because it's in Japan. Yeah. But but uh, you know, there's just this massive proliferation of sports. I mean, why why is there basketball in the Summer Olympics? This is something that doesn't have to be a summer game. It could be just be, and you don't even get the best players anyway. Yeah, and that was the other thing too. You look, you look at the, the the baseball competition. It's it's not the major leaguers. They they're still having the normal major league season right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shohei Otani, the, the the number one Japanese player in the world, he didn't take time off to go play for Team Japan. He's still playing for uh-huh. the Angels and, and making tons of money doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's the yeah, point? That, that's what? that's a guy we should be talking about right there. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that is just an amazing guy. Guy does everything. Yeah, they're they're making comparisons to, between him and Babe Ruth, but I think honestly he's better than Babe Ruth. 
Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, and if you haven't seen this guy, he can he's everything. He's like he's the best pitcher in the league. He's the best hitter in the league. He hits what? the most home what? runs in the league. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. He's, he's not just the best hitter, but the Angels, who are an American League team, have him batting second in their lineup. He's such a good batter that when he pitches, they they um, voluntarily disregard the designated hitter. That's insane. Is, is there any precedence for this? Is there no of a well Babe Ruth, no. but 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 you know maybe he's even better than there was no designated hitter back then. Right. Right. And, and even wow. then, Babe Ruth's career was, was demarked between him being a pitcher and being a hitter. He was a decent hitter as a pitcher, but he really became a, the, the, the slugger that we know once he concentrated on just being an outfielder. Yeah. Oh, and, and the dude is fast, too. <laughs> he, he steals bases like, no, like nobody's business. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to look this cat up. What's his name? Shohei what? Otani. Otani. Okay. Gotcha. I have to put this in the show notes now. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, that's so, twenty-five minutes on sports ball, guys. That's that's Simone. That's uh, that's the twisties, y'all. Yeah, welcome to the Barnhart Sports Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talking about uh, people making it all about themselves. Um, there's a dude who wears white who lives in Rome, <laughs> and <laughs> he's he's demanding that everyone who wants to go to mass has to receive a jab. We have to call it a jab because technically speaking, if we're going to use words correctly, it's not a vaccine. It's it's of a course. jab. Um, a what poisonous the heck is going death on injection. And he's saying you cannot go to mass if you don't have a jab. Isn't that like slightly against the faith? Um, just ever so slightly. Um, yet another huge huge point of consilience are our blessed and merciful lord um just turning on the old las vegas spotlight and shining it directly on him and saying folks um hint hint this this cat isn't the pope um specifically the whole uh people can't go to mass is he's he's allegedly supposed to take some trip to what hungary croatia it's one of the Visegrad countries, I think. Yeah, he's supposed to go up into there, and it, they've the the Vatican has officially said that only the um, people injected with the death poison may attend, and the uninjected are are not welcome. Despite what is it, Mark? Break, help me out. Break into song here. Isn't there a hymn? All are welcome. All are welcome in this place. Not, <laughs> not, not gonna do it. Not gonna do it. <laughs> this is the one time where if we had a video and, and you saw my face, I'm like, what the heck are you guys even doing? Oh, that's that's like entrance hymn numero uno in the American Catholic Novus Ordo church um what is that hymnal called gather us in gather us in oh that's traumatized that's burned into my consciousness from the one year that i was in in the novus ordo that's not in the sspx hymnal it is not in the sspx hymnal no it indeed it isn't um so all are not welcome okay the, the pope the pope the papacy but the pope in his person is the principle of unity the principle of unity and we've all folks um we need to make an aside right here and um ask for help from the listenership we spent uh the group of us about a half an hour today in a in a 
chat, you know, in our little chat group, trying to figure out if the principle of unity, talking about the Pope, is P-R-I-N-C-I-P-A-L or P-L-E. And um, we could not come to a firm conclusion on this. And Mark, I think you said it might be both. Because it works both ways. It works both ways. Yeah, I know. Well, you and Mark were, were arguing about it. I made my, my declaration and, and went back to what I was doing before that. So, What's your, What was your position? Oh, I, I, I said in principle, L-E, uh, the Pope is the principle A-L of A-L, unity. A-L, yeah. Because I'm, pro- I'm thinking of it that the, the, the principle is, in other words, the, the philosophical rule, right. that the Pope is the person, the principle the person. of yeah. unity. I was taught as a child that the, the, the school principal, the person who is the school principal, is your pal. And that's, how you, that's the mnemonic device for remembering it. P-R-I-N-C-I-P-A-L is a person, and P-L-E is an idea. But if you, if you Google this, if you do a Google search or any search engine search, and you look up like um, academic documents or, or articles or anything like that, you see both, but you see more P-L-E. The Pope is the P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E of unity. So if anyone out there in the listenership, um, you know, can, can inform these three unlettered lay nothings about whether it's P-A-L or P-L-E, please email um, principleofunity at, what is it? Podcast Barnhart pod, Super Nerd Media or what is it? Uh, What's your podcast handle? at Barnhart dot, but, uh, podcast at Barnhart dot biz goes to Ann and me. Uh, I don't have one set up for to include Mark, but we can always just forward it. That's what I always do. Sure. Yep. Okay. Furthermore, so furthermore, if any of the listen, listenership can suss out how this guy in question can remotely be the principal that we're talking about, spelled either way, mm-hmm. please enlighten us. Uh, absolutely. How, how can a non-Catholic, an obvious non-Catholic, be the principle of unity? And um, Mark, uh, a lot of people, Bergoglio has been saying from the very beginning that I might be the one who schisms the church and da-da-da-da-da. Okay, when, when he said that, that's a clear, clear irrefutable indication that he is not the Pope. It is not logically it is not metaphysically possible for the pope who is in his person the principle of unity and standard of schism in his person the standard of schism cannot schism the church because he's the principle of unity he's the standard by which you're in or you're out. That's why the Eastern Orthodox are out. That's why they're in schism. That's why the Protestants are out. The Anglicans are out because they are in schism from the papacy and the papacy is the man himself. So when Bergoglio says, I might schism the church, I mean, that is a clear violation of the law of non-contradiction. He cannot be the principle of unity and the standard of schism and be in schism from himself. There's all kinds of academics, and I, I mean, it's it's just mind blowing. All these all these guys, all these trads with all these degrees and doctorates and everything, sitting around saying over and over and over again that Bergoglio is in schism from himself. The papacy is in schism from itself. V- variations like that. 
And I just look at that and I'm just gobsmacked, jaw hanging down. How can these people, how can those words even come out of their mouth? How can they type that into a written piece and it not just be like being being punched in the face by Mike Tyson, the 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 violation of the law of non-contradiction that that is. How can these people not see that? How can you have a PhD in anything related to the church, theology, canon law, anything, and your your ability to think is so retarded that you can't even see that? How can how can the principle of unity be in schism from himself? That's not possible. So he's both the Pope and he's not the Pope. But then we've been seeing this from Trad Inc. The Pope's the Pope until the Pope says he isn't the Pope. So do we honestly but, believe... But in fact, that's what he said. In fact, that's what he said. If a man says, I may be the one who goes down in history as... Schisming the be, church. Being, being uh, schisming the church. There is one thing that man cannot be. And that's yep. the vicar of Christ. That's right. Exa- well said. Well said. Well, yep. and that was that was a topic that we were talking about on our, our pre-show channel earlier today, is that all the different angles and, and proof sets. And by the way, if you're brand new to the Barnhart podcast and you've never heard this before, yes, we don't believe that Francis is actually the Pope. And there's a number of reasons that we can cite for this. And, uh, uh, cite, and, and grabs onto the idea of... of um, of error, a substantial error, and substantial error in, 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 po- in Pope Benedict's resignation. In, in Pope, Pope Benedict's, Benedict's resignation, resignation. yeah. yeah. Um, I seem, I am much more strongly convinced in the idea of duress that even if Pope Benedict said, "Ah, screw it, I'm out of here," um, it was only as a result of all of the duress, uh, the mm-hmm. banking system being turned off in the Vatican, um, and and basically the message being said, "We're going to keep doing this until you're out of here." At that point, I don't think he could validly make a free will act that was valid because he was under such duress to mm-hmm. get out. It, it, was, it was already... Dur- duress and or grave fear. Grave right. fear all, is all, the all phrase the, that's used all, in all canon those, law. All those yeah. things are in canon 188. Yep. Right. And then and then there was the further point that, let's just say for the sake of academic argument, that Benedict's resignation was 100% valid. The next pope has to actually be Catholic. You can't be the head of the church that you're not a member of. If you yeah. are a manifest heretic mm-hmm. and just listen to the things that come out of the mouth of Bergoglio, mm-hmm. they don't correspond with what Catholics say just at a rudimentary level. And to the point of what Anne was saying, I may be the one to schism the church. The Pope cannot be the person to schism the church. It's ontologically impossible. It's not, it's not a question even of infallibility. It's a question of ontology. If you yourself are the standard by which something is is judged, if you are that that pillar of unity and everyone, whether they're in or out of the church, is is wholly adjudicated by whether or not they are in communion with with you personally as the as the vicar of Christ, as the Pope, if you say, I will be the one to schism the church, then as as Mark so brilliantly put it, there's there is one thing that that man cannot cannot be, and that is and that is the Pope, and he's been saying that since almost the very beginning. You know, it's uh, there's just really not 
any excuse at this point. Um, and then just just his whole 100% all in on the corona scam, the, the psychological terrorism, participating in the lie, having Gates, having um, all of these, all these characters. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the, what's his name, Ehrlich, the population control guy? It, it, he's it, it mean the Vatican and and Bergoglio is just having an absolute rogues gallery of these criminals. These people are guilty of crimes against humanity, rolling into the Vatican, one hundred percent all in on the lie of the Corona scam, one hundred and ten percent all in. Get it getting ready to announce. He's already announced that people who haven't had the poisonous death injection may not attend mass. Now, let's talk a minute about, about that and compare it to excommunication. Excommunication is a medicinal step, a charitable, loving medicinal step that the church can take when someone is in public manifest sin. And the church can say, you are publicly in such a state of sin that you may not receive Holy Communion at Mass. This is just, it's just impossible. And until you publicly repent of whatever it is that you're doing, we have to make the declaration that you may not receive Holy Communion. You still, we want you to come to Mass, we want you to hear Mass, we want you to pray, and even more than that, did you know that people who are officially legit excommunicated are still 100% bound to attend Mass on Sunday. Now, they can't receive Holy Communion, but if they miss Mass on Sunday without a good reason, that is a mortal sin just exactly like for anybody else. So yeah, they're excommunicated. Then if they stop going to Mass, that they're still, they're piling, they're piling and piling and piling mortal sin upon mortal sin upon mortal sin. Stop and think about that. The excommunicate must go to mass. That's how important mass is. And uh, we, we'll, not, we'll not drop any names of trad Catholic thought leaders who stopped going to mass well over a year ago and then wonder why they've oh i've lost my faith yeah no joke you're in a state of unrepentant mortal sin every sunday you're in a state of unrepentant mortal sin and it just keeps adding up so bergoglio the excommunicate are still welcome in the church they're still expected to come to mass and, and Holy Mother Church desperately wants them to come and sit in front of the Blessed Tabernacle and get on your knees and pray and pray the rosary. And hopefully you can, you can get whatever error or sin you're in. You can get squared away in that, make a good confession, and, and back, you're back in and you can make a good sacramental communion. That's the point of excommunication. It's medicinal. It's hoping, it's hoping to, to impress upon the person what a grave, grave state that they're in. Bergoglio is saying, you cannot come to Mass. You may not receive the sacraments of the church unless you violate the fifth commandment by playing Russian roulette and injecting yourself with what is now clearly, obviously, an, a, a known carcinogen, a known poison that very, very well could kill you um, sooner or later. 
So you, you have to violate the fifth commandment against suicidal self-harm in order to be able to receive his sacraments and be present and be present at a mass that he offers. Okay. I, again, how does this get any clearer? Uh, um, and I think that it's an indication that we're getting close to um, Peter and the Paul in the sky with flaming lightsabers or whatever is whatever big resolution. It it cannot get any clearer. There, there, I, I, I don't, I don't know. So dismount so, soapbox Ann. Yeah, stepping aside from the question of the antipapacy just for a minute, you, if you haven't started thinking about how this relates to you at the local level, you better start doing that right now, because you're already seeing more than a handful of priests coming out. Some of them considered fairly conservative, that are saying, "Well, of course you should go get this." Of course you should get jabbed. It's for the greater good. What are you thinking? You're so selfish. Oh, not only that, they're, they're going on Twitter and saying, if you're one of these people who wants to get an, a religious exemption from uh, getting the COVID shot and you come to me, I'm going to refuse to write the letter. Mm-hmm. And Dolan, Dolan put out a letter, or the Archdiocese of New York put out a letter saying the priest may not, may not give anybody any religious exemption. You, you don't... Yeah, you might not be able to get a document, but your conscience is inviolable. And if you you don't need some but some some heretic loser priest or bishop to to sign off on that. I mean, you're you're ultimately responsible at the end of the day for your own conscience. And we all, we all know what it is, and that that's inviolable. I I can there's nothing that anybody could do that could coerce me or convince me in any way that it is somehow morally acceptable for me to inject poison into myself period full stop that it ain't happening so yeah so there there's there's two things here one is the 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 jab and being coerced into it possibly even by priests or bishops trying to coerce you into it the mm-hmm. jab itself but then there's the access to the sacraments which you were saying that Bergoglio is requiring this on an upcoming trip or whatever. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that hasn't happened in Vatican City yet, but, but it's maybe going it's, to. It's, it's go- coming. That, that that buzz is out there. It's coming. So yeah. so you need to be prepared for that in your local diocese. If well, f- for one thing, who knows how long the churches will even remain open at this point? Because we haven't talked about everything that's going on just in the last week to ten days, but we're sprinting towards lockdowns. So permanent lockdown. Yeah. 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 So that's one thing. But then even if that weren't going to happen, you still have the issue or the question of access to the sacraments at the local level in any church that isn't the SSBX. So start thinking about it, folks. Yep, absolutely. And I also want to bring up the sin of solicitation. Um, The the sin of solicitation is a sin that is so grave that it's reserved to the Holy See, meaning if a priest does it, he can't just go confess to another priest. It needs to go through Rome. It's that bad. And what the sin of solicitation is, is it's usually within the context of, of sodomy. Um, when, when a priest in the confessional tells a penitent that they should engage in, for example, sodomy, or they should engage in fornication, or they should engage in contraception is another big one. When a priest tells a penitent in the confessional, and that's the particular thing here, in the confessional, that they should commit a sin, 
Oh, my goodness, is that ever grave. Now stop and think how many of these priests already have and will continue to tell people in the confessional that they should go inject themselves with poison, that they are a terrible person if they don't. I mean, if the, the, all the sins of solicitation that have gone on over these past decades of, of infiltration by the sodomites, I mean, now, now Satan is just cleaning up. Now he's getting, you know, the little old woman who would never be, would never be, um, a priest would never tell her, you have to go commit sodomy, or, you know, he would never say to her, you should be on the pill or something like that. Now Satan is just batting cleanup for everyone else. You're going to have priests sitting in the confessional telling people, soliciting people to commit the sin of, um, of self-harm against the fifth commandment. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an incredibly grave situation, utterly unprecedented. And um, again, if, if, if you're reading anybody or see anybody who's scoffing at the notion that this could be the big show um, and that, yo, this has all happened before, I mean, you want to talk about someone who is completely deluded. That, that, that is the epitome of delusion at this point. Nothing ever, ever like this has ever, ever happened. So for the, for the love of God, literally stay confessed. And yeah, like Mark said, need to start making plans. I am at this point about once a day in the email box, someone sends an email and says, okay, Ann, I've been away for many years or I want in, I want into the Catholic church. What do I do? And if, if the SSPX is what is the closest thing to them, I say 100% at this point, without any hesitation, go to the SSPX. But I'm also getting emails from people who are going to the schismatic Eastern Orthodox, and that, guys, is not cool. In fact, a lot of these people, uh, and again, listenership, let, let me know if this is common practice in the schismatic Eastern Orthodox, if anybody knows. They keep saying, I'm re I've been rebaptized. Do, do the Eastern Orthodox honestly do that i mean that's that's such a egregious violation of of the creed i mean and and don't the eastern orthodox they they basically have the same creed except for the the procession of the trinity you know i mean it's don't they say um we we believe in one one baptism for the remission of sins and i keep having these emails from people saying i've gone to the eastern orthodox and they rebaptize me what? How, how can how can you even how can you even do something like that? Talk about a grave sin. That's simulating a sacrament. That's aping a sacrament. Getting rebaptized. That that is that is in direct violation of just baseline, you know, rock bottom principles of of the Christian faith. You don't get rebaptized. So have you guys the only, ever heard of the only like thing that? I could think of would be the because the 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 form and the matter are simple enough, but I wonder if it has something to do with the elimination of some of the uh, exorcism prayers that took place after Vatican II that the Orthodox might think that the baptisms are invalid without those prayers. I don't know. But that no, that doesn't invalidate baptism. 
It's, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. It's very, very, very simple. It's not contingent on any exorcism prayers or anything else, which is why an atheist doctor or a Musloid nurse can, can baptize anyone as long as they, you know, broadly intend to do what the church intends to do via, via baptism. But um, you can see what these people are doing is they see the, the problem is with the purported Pope of the Roman church. Yep. And they're sprinting straight past tradition, straight past the society, and straight past even the SETIs and going Eastern Orthodox because, well, how can, look at, this Pope is a joke. How can the Pope mean anything? Yeah, and and how there and therefore how can the Catholic Church in say how can that be anything but a joke? Right. And how can it be the other, real thing? Right. So there are now other trad Catholic thought leaders in the same clique as as you know the one we discussed earlier in exactly the same clique now openly waxing on on social media tremendous scandal. What that well, it's clear now that it was the Roman Church that went into schism from the true church in 1054. Ugh. Oh, 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 my goodness. And people wonder why I sprinted away from those people as fast as my little legs would carry me because this is where it leads. It leads to sedificantism or schism, and then eventually apostasy, which it's, it's all unfolding, it's all happened, and the core problem that the base that all of this grew out of is the intransigent, intransigent insistence that Bergoglio is the Pope. Because, you know... I, w- I want to fit in at, with my lunch click. I mean, talk about, talk about shallow and stupid. Or, or even, and I hate to say this, but this is the official position of the fraternity, is that the cardinals say that Bergoglio is Pope, and therefore he's Pope. As if the opinions of men could determine ontological reality. Oh, right, right. Christ Jesus does whatever those cardinals say. Uh, not, and, and just not to, you know, to, to come back to it in terms of how this actually happens, folks, and the and people pointing out, and more so lately, that Bergoglio is not even Catholic. He's not even mm-hmm. he's not even uh, able to be Pope. Even if, forget about the. The resignation and and we've got right. a lot of issues going on and all that. He's not eligible to be pope under any circumstances. Yep. So to to believe that he is pope, you have to believe because the cardinals do not bestow the papacy and neither does the church. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, himself bestows the crown to the pope. And this is Pastor Eternus, guys. Oh, Look yeah. up the Vatican One Look document. This is explicitly stated. That and and to and to disbelieve this is is a species of heresy. And Pastor Eternus makes this completely clear. If you say that the papacy comes from the College of Cardinals, you're a heretic. If you say that the papacy comes through the church, with the church as an intermediary, you're a heretic. It is directly from Jesus Christ 
to the man. And all the man has to do is assent. That's it. If he if the man says yes, boom, that's it. And and even that, the whole notion that the only way for there to be apostolic succession of, of succession of the papacy, the only way that can possibly happen is through the College of Cardinals having a conclave. That's interesting because the cardinalcy was, I believe it was an innovation of the 800s. So, you know, for 60% or excuse me, for 40% of the 2000 year history of the church, there were no cardinals. There was no college of cardinals. They had to have been doing it some other way. There had to have been an election happening in with some other mechanism. So arguing that we're, we're completely, totally stuck with this college of cardinals paradigm. That's completely historically ignorant. That's not true. Um, and, and could I'm, be done away with tomorrow and should be done away with tomorrow. The, the entire college should be eliminated. The, the entire college should be liquidated. And then liquidated, if you yes. want to, you could reboot it. You don't necessarily have to have to get rid of the paradigm of the structure. But every single one of them, the, the Pope, as an absolute monarch, should declare that he's taking every single one of their hats. And then he should start fresh with 12 men. And another fun fact, the 12 men, they could certainly be bishops. They don't have to be. They could be priests. They don't even have to be priests. There have been lay cardinals, boys and girls. Oh, yes. Um, there's all kinds of possibilities here that people are just, again, they've got blinders on. They're intransigent. And the only way out of this is Bergoglio is the pope. Um, either he resigns or he dies. And then there's going to be a conclave with this college of cardinals, with these men. I have the sneaking suspicion that when this resolves, and it's going to be awesome um, when it does resolve, <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be quite a podcast if we all live to see it. Um, that it's going to involve a massive paradigmatic structural shift in how all of this happens because it has to be. The entire Vatican is so thoroughly corrupt. All of these prelates are are they've just disqualified themselves. Even the ones who aren't sodomites, it seems to me at this point, and everybody's pretty much in agreement that at, at best they're cowards. You know, um, are are you worthy of the red? Um, I, at this point, I'm. I think they all they all need to go. But there there's so many possible paths forward, and people just refuse to accept any of it. No, it's it's this way or the highway and and Francis's pope shut up stupid and we're going to have to wait for a future pope to declare that he wasn't. I mean, really do you believe that that he he can simultaneously God being outside of time that within the timeline that God is outside of and looks down upon that Bergo that Jorge Bergoglio is simultaneously the Pope in the year 2015 and in the year, let's say, for example, 2085, he's not. Really? Do you honestly believe reality is not stable and it can be changed ex post facto in retrospect? Do you honestly believe that God does that? 
See, some people have been watching just a little too much Star Trek and all this time travel and changing timelines and all this crap. That's heretical. Reality, as we proclaim at the end of every mass by reciting the opening, the opening verses of St. John's Gospel, reality is our Lord himself. He is reality and he's stable and he doesn't change. And we know this every time we, pl- we pray the Gloria Patri. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. Amen. Reality does not change. The timeline in the past does not change. People aren't married, and then the church says, I'm now going to change what happened in the past and declare that you weren't married. You were, but now you aren't. No, a degree of a degree of nullity is that it, it's ever been thus that you weren't married, and almost nobody understands that precision. Um, that's another thing that has poisoned the zeitgeist with regards to this: that people honestly believe that that even God is going back and changing the timeline and changing reality so that Bergoglio is the Pope today, but at some point in the future, they'll say that he wasn't, but right now he is, but maybe in the future he won't be. I mean, this, this, this is madness. It is literally madness and it has to be rejected in, in the strongest possible terms. Most of the folks who, who, are saying, well, all we can do is wait, and this is this is not our call. This is the job of of a future council to decide what's happened here. And you know, we we humbly pray that some future council will declare this papacy null and void and expunge the whole thing. And then when you explain to the, most of these folks, when you explain to them that you understand that what you're hoping for means that you're describing the current reality in real time. Yeah. So that means that Bergoglio right now is an anti-pope who you're pledging loyalty to, Yep. but at the same time deferring to say, well, this is up to someone in the future with authority to decide. Well, whatever they do decide, if that should happen, is a reflection back into real time that you're living in. Real time, in. yes. Yep. This isn't yep. a hard concept. I, I don't know. I guess this is what happens when you don't go to mass and live in a state of unrepentant mortal sin and your intellect is darkened and and you've been poisoned by by media and television and like I said science fiction and and I'm right there I'm I'm the one that can speak to all this cuz I watch Star Trek like crazy every other episode. Okay, there are two, there are basically two plot lines in every Star Trek episode. One is um, time travel and shifting the timeline and shifting and changing the reality of the past and and so on and so forth. So we got that. Guess what the other um, uh, uh, plot of of every other Star Trek episode is? Getting Kirk a date. Getting Kirk a date. (laughs) Okay, that is a subplot in every single episode. Okay, but major plot is is infectious disease and we and we have to work against the clock and dr mccoy has to develop a vaccine every other episode of star trek 
Dr. McCoy um, makes a vaccine in about 90 minutes that saves everybody and um, no, no side effects whatsoever. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We've, the, the, Satan has primed, primed the post-Christian West through Hollywood for all of this crap. All of it, 100%. And it just, with each passing day, it's absolutely astounding to me how much you realize that everything that has gone on, if you pull the focus back far enough, you can see Satan driving all these different threads, culturally, things that, that just a few years ago, all of us would have said, well, I mean, that's not related to any, I mean, what's going on in the church is not related to plot, uh, major plot points, reused plot points in Star Trek. I mean, what kind of cuckoo pants thesis is this, Anne? But now, as events keep going forward, 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 you just see how Everything is related, and Satan it has his finger in everything, and it's all driving towards exactly the same nexus of this Freemasonic New World Order fused with the Freemasonic anti-church, which is still occupying the same liturgical, juridical, um, and sacramental space as the one true church, although the cleavage is now getting clearer and clearer and clearer. But the whole usurpation of the Vatican, the usurpation of, of the Sea of Peter with the squatter, they're, they're, te- they're trying to tear down the, the true church brick by brick and replacing every brick that they tear down, they're replacing it with a brick of, of the anti-church to, bo- to borrow Father Z's um, um, phraseology and metaphor there. Um, and it's <laughs> and now with Bergoglio attempting to abrogate the mass, violating quo primum, another huge point of consilience, and everything, culturally, society, the corona scam, absolutely everything is just converging on the Freemasonic, New World Order, secular political, fused directly with the Bergoglian anti-church. And you're just like, dude, I can't believe that I get to be alive to see this. And as we have all we all discussed, how grateful we are that we get to be tiny, tiny little um, buck privates in this in this little war. And we get to do our little part stor- storming the proverbial beach at Normandy, you know? Yep. And and it's all been foretold not only in scripture, but uh, yep. if you haven't if you haven't gone back and read, I can't even believe they're still up on the Vatican website. But Leo the Thirteenth, go pick three encyclicals. Yep. Go pick go go back to you know the eighteen eighties and read about his dire warnings before the fact about socialism, about communism, about Freemasonry, and we can. Yep. Put the links to all that in, in the show notes. To have the mm-hmm. foresight, which is clearly, you know, divinely revealed to him, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's one thing to look back in the, for the past hundred years at everything that's happened and, and raise your hand and say, guys, this is no good. But to have the foresight 140 years ago to see this, uh, it's, it's quite amazing. And his writing is, is incredible. His writing is so clear. That's the other thing. You read it, and it's completely clear, completely understandable. Any any layman can sit down and read this. And even if a person were illiterate, if someone read it to them, 
it would be completely understandable to everyone. And then you compare that to just the absolute garbage, not just the, 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 the sewage that, that Bergoglio has spewed. I mean, that doesn't even count. That's all null. I'm talking about the, the spewage of the, the 20th century where you, you read these documents and it's just the, um, with the documents of, of the failed Second Vatican Council being an obvious example. It's just all an incomprehensible, self-contradictory dog's breakfast. And oh yeah, oh, you have to swear, you have to swear fealty to the Second Vatican Council. Oh, well, how, and you're ruining it for everybody. Well, I'm going to say the truth and we've, it, we'll put these in the show notes too. I think in pretty early on in the Barnhart podcast history in like 2017, we did an entire podcast about Vatican II. It was validly called the initial uh, schema, schema documents, meaning the agenda. The initial agenda of Vatican II was awesome. It was rock solid. Vatican I and Vatican II were going to be these two bookends. Vatican I doing um, papal infallibility and um, immaculate conception. Okay? So that was Vatican I. And then Vatican II, its agenda was denunciation of global communism and um, Our Lady co-redemptrix and mediatrix of all graces. It was going to be an incredible you know, one, two punch, it was going to be awesome. So the initial schema documents of Vatican II are just glorious to read. They open the council, validly called, validly convened, and then the infiltrators immediately swoop in, literally toss in the garbage the entire, all of the schema, the entire agenda that was laid out and was given to all the bishops who had specifically said number one priority for them was the denunciation of global communism. Um, they, the infiltrators swooped in, threw everything out, and then took it over. And what you have, the results are all of those documents, which are just awful. They're just absolutely awful. And so the council wasn't invalid. It was validly called, but it was failed. And there have been multiple failed councils. Lateran V was a failed council. Constance was a failed council. And without any doubt, Vatican II, I mean, nothing could be clear. Vatican II was a failed council. All of the garbage juice that came out of it and the fact that within literally a, a, a historical blink of an eye, 90% of Western Catholics basically walked away. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than that. And shut up, you're ruining it for everybody because Bergoglio's document says that everybody has to swear fealty to Vatican II. Folks, the only way out of this is through the truth. You're, you, you, don't, you don't parlay with, with the hungry crocodile and think, and think that you can BS him or anything like that. The only way out of this is through the truth, whether it be with regards to the Bergoglian anti-papacy, whether it be with regards to Vatican II. So, no, I'm not going to back off on this. And if they, if they want to cite Anne Barnhart saying that Vatican II was a failed council as proof that we're all out of the church or something like that, well, bring it. Bring it. 
watch do it and watch what happens. It's all going to resolve and and the the infiltrators and the enemy of God, the enemies of God and his holy church will lose and they will lose spectacularly. So, I'm not going to sit around here cower in fear and say things which I know to be objectively false, namely that Vatican II was anything other than a failed dog's breakfast of a council. Okay, I want to make a point real quick about this sure. though. You you make the you make the comment about you know people saying we need you to swear fealty to Vatican II. The the couple of instances I've seen where there is a, a suggestion about this, the the phraseology is do you accept Vatican II? And this is a beautifully in the spirit of Vatican II wording because it doesn't mean anything in the ah. way it's phrased. Ooh. But if you say, well, yes, I accept that Vatican II was actually called and it was legitimately called, so I can say yes, then that document is going to be called back later and say, well, you said you accepted everything from Vatican II. It's like, no, you never defined it. Well, it doesn't matter. You signed it. You approve. And it's, it's definitely a tactic that has been used mm. uh, to change the meaning of, an, of a well-known word and then just start proceeding on with the alternative meaning. This yep. is one of the things that Archbishop Lefebvre found so frustrating with the discussions with, with Rome that when, when he finally terminated it in, in May of, of uh, 1988, it's like we, we can't have a, a rational discussion because every time we think we're in agreement, we find out they have alternative meanings for words that we thought were well-defined. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were other frustrations and annoyances all along the way, but that was one of them. Yeah, to the point that um, one of the famous uh, back and forths was, well, what was true yesterday isn't true today. And, 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 and Archbishop Lefebvre apparently said, well, fine, I'll just wait until it's true again. <laughs> yep. Good point. Good point. So the whole swearing fealty or uh, excuse me accepting, saying that you accept Vatican II. The other thing that um, I was dining with someone, we were laughing about the fact that they, um, concelebration is apparently a big, huge thing. And they want, they want, um, they want trad priests to be concelebrating and all this. And, you know, do, do you, do you accept concelebration? And they're so stupid and they're so ignorant that they don't even know that Every priest who is ordained in the traditional Roman rite literally concelebrates, publicly concelebrates his first mass. They concelebrate with the 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 prelate who has ordained them. And it's it's very interesting if you if you've never been to a traditional ordination, it's really cool because it's the only time when the priest, or the, the celebrant, I should say, and it's, it's a bishop, obviously, the bishop says out loud every single word of the canon. Why? Because all of the guys, all of the priests who have just been ordained a, f a few minutes before, they're all concelebrating. They're concelebrating the mass. So if 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 the if some you know Novus Ordo bishop comes at these guys and says, um, "Do you accept concelebration? And will you will you concelebrate?" They can honestly answer yes because literally their first mass was concelebrated. And so, but you know what? The Novus Orduists—they're so ignorant they don't even know that. They don't even realize it. That reminds me of something, getting a little off, off topic, but but not far. It, but just the whole idea of they don't know. 
there was a, a discussion uh, on, I think it was one of the Father Gruner uh, videos talking about um, whether it was a good idea to have uh, canonized JP2. And there, within that uh, video where he, where he was answering, this is like eight, nine minutes long, something like that, he, he told this anecdote of a 13-year-old uh, who, nutritional Latin mass going 13-year-old who was having a discussion with his, people his age but who were Novus Ordo Catholics and, and said, well, uh, JP2 couldn't, it wasn't a good idea to canonize him because uh, in, he cited the SCC Faith or SCC Interfaith Council and even sent pictures to, to, to show this. First, they, the, 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 um, the non-trad kid said that you're lying. That, that never happened. He showed pictures and they said, oh, those are photoshopped. They can't possibly be true, which is, is hilarious on, on one level, but it's also instructive that even these kids, non-trad kids, understand that yeah. what they were, sh- were seeing was not Catholic. Yeah, yeah, and and, and they have no yeah. idea that this really happened. So the the idea of, of these people saying to every trad priest, "Do you accept consolebrations?" Like, hey, you, what do you think the traditional form of, of ordaining a priest is? We concelebrate our first mass, and then we're done with it. Unlike you clowns. <laughs> Unlike you clowns, exactly. And um, with regards to the um, the canonizations, I mean, another point of conciliance, another huge red flag. Uh, Paul the sixth? Are you kidding me? John the twenty third. Everybody pretty much acknowledges at this point that he was a Mason. Um, JP two. No way. Who who did? Who allegedly did all three of those? Why it was the Bergolian anti papacy that did all that? I got a very nice email from a man who was uh, older, and he said, "All of us kids." when we were growing up and everybody, it was the census fidelium that yes, um, uh, canonizations are infallible. We all knew this. So therefore, if you look at canonizing Paul the sixth and canonizing John the 23rd and canonizing JP two, and you say that, that just really doesn't make any sense at all none none at all how, how did paul the sixth live a life of heroic virtue i mean give me a break um he's, well, he's another point that father gruner made in this video that i just mentioned is that in the in the context of canonization you are canonized or the the question of canonization has to be uh, exemplary moral virtue in your state of life and for somebody who is a pope, that means as a pope. So in other words, for, for me, if, if it ever comes up for you know the question of canonization, what I do on a podcast won't matter. What's going, the question is going to be, how were you as a father and a husband? Mm-hmm. Were, you, were you exemplary in that regard? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. And that's also the reason why, what is it? Okay, so uh, Pope St. Pius X who's at the turn of the 20th century, and then who's the next one back before him canonized? I think it's Pius V. Pius V, yeah. Yeah, you're going like 400 years between between canonized popes because, yeah, talk about a high bar to clear. And now it's just, oh, well, you know. 
Now it's the Oprah canonizations. You get sanctity. Yeah. You get sanctity. You get sanctity. You get sanctity. Everybody wins. Yes. Pretty soon it's going to be the Meghan Markle <laughs> canonizations. It's just, it's just turning into a clown show. So, I mean, and it's just interesting that there are people, older people, who remember the church and remember the census fidelium, you know, in the 40s, who are just like, of course canonizations are infallible. And this is another thing that the Trad Inc. intelligentsia are now saying, well, obviously the entire church, and we've all been wrong about canonizations, obviously canonizations aren't infallible. Yes, actually they are when an actual pope does them. That's And that's the crux of the issue here, isn't it? But it's, it's this whole business of these people just gleefully tearing down the 2,000-year history of the church, the census fidelium, what everybody believed, what all of the saints believed, what all the doctors believed, what all the apostles believed, burning it all to the ground so that they can continue to somehow sleep at night confessing that that Jorge Bergoglio is the vicar of Christ and let's be honest maintaining their career slash income stream depending upon whether or not we're talking about clerics and prelates or whether we're talking about laymen who are financially dependent to one degree or another on the institutional church and I'm sorry I know that's harsh and um it, it breaks my heart with regards to some people to have to say that, but it's clearly what's going on. You will not be employable. You cannot, you cannot have a job as a theologian or whatever, or liturgist or whatever it is as a layman, you cannot have a job unless you confess that Jorge Bergoglio is the vicar of Christ. And that that's pathetic. It's, it's pathetic. It's sad. I feel bad for, don't think I don't have any pity for people who are in that position, but this is also an argument why it's probably not the best idea in the world, why theologians should be laymen and versa visa, and there's just way too much lay involvement, and you've got way too many laymen who are financially dependent upon the institutional church, and that's, it's an unhealthy dynamic, and when all this resolves, or triumph of the Immaculate Heart, or what, whatever it is and whatever it looks like, there's going to have to be a big reset on that, too. This whole business of every other layman having a degree in theology is... Uh, um, it's it's not it's not healthy. It's not good. Just to close off that topic of the of the canonizations being real canonizations being infallible, it, it really comes down to the, the 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 concept that we throw around all the time about God isn't a jerk. Yep. So if you think about how rigorous the process used to be and should be yeah. for yep. declaring canonizations, you can't have people praying to people who the church says are in heaven. You, basically, you can't have people relying on their own salvation or, or some portion of their own salvation to praying to people who the church assures them have the beatific vision when that actually might not be the case. Yeah. Think about and that. Then, and then you're also depriving the people in question, JP2, great example, Um you're he's, depriving them he, of prayers. A prayer because he's almost certainly in purgatory and absolutely no one is praying for him. Yep. Oh, did, you, did you see, I think I shared it with the, the chat group, there was somebody proclaiming a, a miracle of, of JP2 reaching out from beyond the grave 
was a photo, I believe, in in Poland, but maybe I got the geography oh, yeah, you off. Showed me that. It, oh, it was gosh. it was a bonfire, and it took the exact same shape as a photo of of JP two. And my first thought was after kind of getting like my skin crawling a little bit, it's like that seems if and if it's not preternatural, it seems like a soul from purgatory requesting prayers. Yeah, I mean, it was literally fire. And apparently the people just didn't make any connection at all. Then that's another thing. Let's be honest. Most Novus Orduists at this point don't don't even believe in purgatory, much less hell. It, this whole, you know, Bishop Baron universal salvation garbage is everybody goes straight to heaven when they die. And all you need to see the proof of this is go to a Novus Ordo funeral, it is the mass of the resurrection. It is not a requiem. It is basically a, a low-grade canonization of the person who is deceased. There it's is on eagle's wings and, and yep. kumbaya. Yep, absolutely. They're in heaven. And I mean, there, there are a lot of Catholics. There are a lot of adult Novus Ordo Catholics who literally say things like, he's an angel in heaven now. He has his wings. They're, they're so unsound. They think that, that angels are dead human beings who are in heaven. They don't even understand the difference between angelic beings and human beings. It's, it's that bad and it's that shallow. Um, yeah, the, the woman who is my godmother, um, I think she's still alive. I pray for her every day. But she had a daughter who was deceased, who, who died of a brain aneurysm. And she was constantly talking to me about how her daughter is an angel in heaven with wings. And you're just like, wow, wow. And this, this is a team member in our CIA and isn't even sound on that question. So, I mean, goodness gracious. It's, uh, the situation is, is bleak. Super nerd, what else we got? Well, we've kind of danced around the topic a few times, but one of the questions that was raised is, can I go to the SSPX? Yes. I'm telling people almost every day, go to the SSPX. Yep. Okay, next question. Um, <laughs> I've got a couple more, actually. Simple that, questions, simple answers, and, you know. Let your yes more, be yes and your no be no. I mean, That's how, right. How, and I mean, let's let's mention Voris and that whole church militant TV, absolutely bizarre implosion thing, guys. Uh, it's those people. There's clearly something wrong. There's some sort of very bizarre, weird oppression over that whole group of people, and um, don't even worry about that. Number one, ignore them and don't even worry about it. Um, it's it's abundantly clear at this point that the sspx is in place for a reason by the divine providence and they are they're a lifeboat they've been functioning as a lifeboat ever since the launch of the corona scam and by absolutely every report that i've received they have been fantastic welcoming friendly charitable no side eye no no nothing everybody has said this is great and it's it's a shame because there are ecclesia day um parishes and communities that are being kind of milk soppy and milk toasty and let me tell you something folks if there are any ecclesia day priests or or, or anybody of that ilk listening when your people leave if you if you sufficiently piss off um your people and they leave and they go to the SSPX, they ain't coming back. They're not coming back. And not to be crass, but 
it, it does bear mentioning, your donor base is walking out the door and it's going, it's going to Ocone and it's going to Winona or wherever their North American um, seminary is. And I, at this point, you know, if, if you're not going to step up, then what do you expect, you know? So, yes, absolutely, without any hesitation at this point, talk about a <laughs> coming, around, coming around full circle and, and my how things have changed. Yes, when people send me emails, I look up and look at their location, and if there's an SSPX chapel close, I say, get, get yourself over there especially um, people who are wanting to straight up con convert, who want convert instructions and, and want to be received in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Okay. I've got four more other questions here, but I don't think these are going to be short ones. Um, I don't know if there was any other points that uh, Mark wanted to make. I think I can save my four questions for another podcast. Um, Mark, do you have anything else? Well, we're at, uh, let's see here. 83 minutes our, right now. Yeah, so... Maybe not. I mean, the, the just to chime in on the SSPX, I, I'd pretty much echo everything that, that Ann said. And if you have qualms about it or you think that, you know, if you have any hesitation, your soul is more important than anything else. And use the Internet and research the term state of necessity. Mm -hmm. And then after you research that term, take a look around and if you don't think that the church is in a state of necessity right now, I, I don't know what else to say to you. But yeah. SSPX, my experience has been nothing but positive. Um, so, yes, avail yourselves. Your soul is more important than anything else. And like I said a little while ago, who knows where everything else is headed right now. But we may be right back in a situation like we were in a year ago where you're not going to have any other options if you want the sacraments. Yeah. Yep. So get your head around it. Yep. Especially if all the rumors of um, being kicked out of churches, if you don't can't prove a jab or lockdowns are coming down. Oh, gosh. I, don't, I can't imagine what that's going to I mean, that damn near crashed the economy the way it was. I, I, it's it's going to be horrible. Well, I mean, the question at this point is, is that if the rumors are true, and as we're recording this on August 4th, what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing is that the White House, because, you know, Biden is basically a, a overcooked zucchini at this point, we'll just call it the White House, is drafting a speech which Biden is going to deliver, which is supposed to be every bit as grave and and historical and life-shattering as like Bush's immediate post 9/11 speech in which Biden declares that permanent lockdown is is the only path forward and declaring a a mandatory federal nationwide permanent lockdown. And if if that happens if that's true and this is supposed to happen like within the next week to 10 days. Um, if that happens, um, it, states need to start seceding, and that's all there is to it. States well, need already, to secede. Florida is already making a lot of noise about that. Um, mm -hmm. We'll see if Texas has the cojones to follow them. Yep, and if if it means hot civil war, I mean, I've only been talking about hot civil war as an absolute inevitability for 15 years now. This is it. If if. If, if America, if the former United States, if that culture just lays down 
and goes into a permanent Australian-style, military-enforced permanent lockdown, and nobody does anything with the 600 million guns, literally 600 million guns in the hands of the population, then you deserve to be destroyed. You're not worthy of, of having a free country. You deserve to be crushed. And um, you have no one to blame but yourself. But in the end, her immaculate heart will triumph. Yep, yep. And I mean, people are going to survive. Not everyone is going to die in this. There, there are going to be survivors. And whoever survives is going to be tasked with rebuilding Christian culture and Christendom. Um, not everyone, not everyone died in, in the Black Plague either. And I don't right. know if, if the, I don't know if the numbers are going to come out to be about the same, but. That was two thirds of Europe basically got uh, yeah. killed off in the Black Plague. Yep, absolutely. We're, we're gonna we're going to have a thinning of the population, and not the Bill Gates style. It's going to be the Our Lady of Akita style. Yeah, yep. But we're, we're both. We're both. We're both. Both at the same time. Um, no, no. Our Lady of Akita said that it's going to be fire from the sky, not fire out of a needle from Bill Gates. Yeah, um, that that implies. That implies war. I mean, and you can see these people getting the the oligarchs getting to the point where they start arguing. Remember, um, Hitler. Hitler went on a, a campaign to literally destroy Germany at the end, and he he said that the German people had let him down and that they needed to be punished. And so, at the very very end in 1945, literally, Hitler was literally trying to completely destroy. Germany to punish them for for letting him down. Um, I could see the people who are so satanic in the Washington DC and this global oligarchy coming to the point where they say that everybody in the United States and every or everybody in the in the post-Christian West needs to be nuked. We we have to kill everybody in order to save the world or something like that. Oh, I, I could absolutely see that happening. Biden just said that if there was a significant cyber breach by not cyber attack, but cyber breach by a nation state actor, we will respond with a hot war. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, he's seen out. He doesn't know what the heck he's saying. But that, this is something that we keep hearing about, the idea of, of a truly calamitous cyber attack. If mm-hmm. you think the shutdown of a gas pipeline on the East Coast is a big deal, just wait. Yeah. We ain't seen nothing yet. And remember, Biden is like about a three-year-old child. And so what he's doing is he's repeating things that he's heard other people say, even though he doesn't have the the cognitive ability anymore to even, like Supernerd just said, to even know what he's saying, he's repeating things that he's heard people around him say the way that a three-year-old child would repeat things that they heard their parents saying or whatever, you know? So that's the dynamic there. So pay attention to what he says because he's basically, he's revealing what what the oligarchy is is talking about, Yeah. And maybe he doesn't have the mental checks to not say out loud the things he's right. not supposed to say. As strange as this sounds, having somebody half senile could be a blessing because he's saying what, what maybe yep. he wasn't supposed to and, and, and truth is getting out. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, there, there, there are the other maybe closer in issues as well versus a cyber attack or whatever is ultimately going to happen with the whole global um, global reset and all that but we're seeing right now 
with uh, what's happening in New York and de Blasio. And you're not, you, you can't go into a restaurant. You can't go to the gym. You can't go inside unless you have a vaccine record. Mm-hmm. That's, that's two days old, folks. So this is going and- to spiral. And go ahead, Ann. It's going to go quick because the next step, and the only question is, is it a matter of months or is it a matter of weeks before you can't have a bank account? That's where all of it, it's going. And that was something that we'll keep for a later podcast. Um, The ADL and PayPal are teaming up to fight um, hate online. And honestly, what this is going to come down to is identifying a bunch of people with with wrong think and debanking them or unbanking them. No question. Without a doubt. We've been talking about it for... A lot, you know, years we've been talking about it, that it's, it's your mortgage will get called over wrong think. And if you don't have the liquidity to pay off your house at a moment's notice, you better figure it out. Yep. Absolutely. On that happy note. I was going to say, despite all the, all the gloom and and everything, you know, in times like this, um, that's one of the best tweets I've seen in a long time. Remember that God put you here at this point in time to become a saint. He, and God does not make mistakes. Obviously this is a, a target rich environment when it comes to uh, evangelizing, spreading the truth, because very few people have it right now. If you don't, if you doubt that, just look around and talk to people. Uh, this is a tremendous time. It's you talk about the smarmy multi-level marketing people who say you want to get down on the ground floor or something. Yeah, you you want to get in on the the ground floor of rebuilding the church now that it's in the process of being you know it's more or less been destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a great opportunity, and and uh, there, there's uh, twelve people you can pray to who were right there at the ground level with Jesus. Um, they they have glorious spots in heaven as well. It, it's a tremendous honor to be alive at this point in time. And God preordained you to be here right now at this point in time with everything going on around you, no matter how much suffering you're going through and everything else going on in the world. He knew all of that before he created the universe. He knew it about you. And the thing that cracks me up, going back to Leo the Thirteenth, when Leo the Thirteenth had his locution of our Lord and Lucifer in conversation, and Lucifer says, give me 100 years and I can destroy the church. And our Lord said, go ahead and try. What, what's implied in our Lord's words there is the assets are in place. And yeah. stop, and, stop and think about that. He's saying, go ahead and try. I, I have the assets in place. Like, wow. And I think about, you know, my, who was, who my great grandparents or great, great grandparents were alive when that happened. And here, here we are. And, and remember there's, there's going to be successive generations. We're, we are also, um, stepping stones in, in this continuum. Now I'm not because I don't have any children, but Mark and super nerd, they definitely are. And they are, they're a link in that continuum. The assets are in place. Yep. And rely and flee to Our Lady, who is like an army in battle array. Yes. 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 Okay, I'm going to go ahead and do the wrap-up then. The email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, or good news items, uh, happier news items for wrapping up the podcast, is podcast at barnhart.biz. Anne expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors and at least one mass every single day. Mm-hmm. That's one traditional Catholic mass uh, uh, every single day, plus one traditional Catholic requiem mass is offered for everyone who died in the previous week. Uh, please take a moment to join your prayer intentions with the priests who are celebrating these masses and for all priests. Um, I, I 
I've been doing some uh, research on, on Lassalat and some of the other uh, Marian apparitions and it just over and over and over pray for priests, pray mm-hmm. for priests, pray for priests, pray for priests. Uh, in fact, the, 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 you know, blood curling line and, in, in, in or, or frightening line in, in at La Salette is that the, the, the priest, and this is 1860s that the, the priests had become cesspools of impurity and it's because of their <laughs> infidelity that that the chalice of, of vengeance is filling up and then and one of the later apparitions saying the chalice is overflowed this is in the 1860s and yeah. <laughs> and, and and you think about combining that with, with uh, saint john Eudes, the worst punishment that god can can give is to give um pastors who are to the according to the hearts of the people and when when they are are bad people you're going to get bad pastors um they're not going to help you get to heaven yeah but if the people have a true conversion, you have that Nineveh U-turn, uh, you're going to get uh, conversions. You're going to get conversions in the priests, and you're going to get priests who are, who are actually going to lead you to heaven. You, then you're going to get vocations. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, so please pray for the priests. We absolutely need them. Um, pray to, you know, the, pray, pray to our patron saint as well, St. Tiny Princess. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'd like, I, like I said on the last podcast, I'm putting her to work and... and uh, and and, uh, and invite you to do the same, encourage you to do the same. And one of, one of our notes, uh, one of the donors mentioned uh, a good suggestion. I'm definitely putting her, putting her to work. Um, I'll, I'll get to her in a minute. But but one of the, I, I got a note actually while we were recording. One one of our our listeners and, and contributors, um, he's uh, separating from the military. 17 years in, and and um, they, because of the mandatory vaccine requirement coming down, he he tried to transfer to the inactive ready reserve to uh, try to get his time to retirement. They said no to that, so he's just going to flat out put in for full retirement. And he, he estimates this is probably nine hundred sixty thousand dollars worth of of, uh, of healthcare benefits. and yeah. and and uh, retirement bonuses. He's just going to have to walk yep. away from because yep. it's either you stand for the truth or you don't. Um, yeah, this is not not easy. Not it seems easy to me all. that our Lord said something roughly related to give up, give up money, give up wealth, give up riches, yep. and I'll repay you a hundredfold. Something, something, something. Yeah. Well, I was mentioning him in context of uh, Tiny Princess because I actually did send him a a. I can't certify this as a first class relic, but it's a first class relic of her that um, that he took on his last deployment with him. So. Oh, um, nice. Definitely, you know, I'm, I'm telling her, please help him out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And me, mm-hmm. too. I mean, all, all, the, all the listeners. Um, but, yes, don't forget uh, that we, we've got our little um, patron saint. Um, I say little, but she's actually not she's little. She's bigger than us now. Yes, yes indeed. <laughs> the Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this podcast or, or this episode or in previous episodes, this is a value-for-value value production. Please visit supernerdmedia.com to learn more. And I'd like to recognize a few donors since the last podcast. Uh, Rick Solamente. That's not really his name. It's just only Rick. Um, only Rick. Yeah. Yeah, only Rick. Uh, and uh, via PayPal, Sally, Richard, and Laura are on the, the monthly donor, uh, or the, the monthly renewing, monthly recurring, mm-hmm. I should say, recurring, is the right word, yes. uh, which is awesome because that way I can pay for this awesome platform that we're using to record, which is, uh, we've used this, what, three times now? Yeah, and it's, it's really it's, slick. It, yeah, it, it is really nice, and also Lauren as well. I didn't want to neglect you. Uh, thank you very much. And I will turn it over to Anne for the Matthew seventeen twenty. Um, 
Pray without ceasing every day. Fast twice a week if you can for our fourfold intention called the Matthew 1720 intention that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and that the whole thing be nullified that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005, that Jorge Bergoglio um, repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, not rooting for anybody's death here, and that he someday achieve the beatific vision. It's totally possible. And finally, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger repent of anything that he might need to repent of, that he also dies in a state of grace in the fullness of time, not rooting for his death either, um, and that he someday achieves the beatific vision. Remember, just because he's the Pope doesn't guarantee that he automatically gets the beatific vision. Um, so, you know, we we have to pray for these men, both of them. Um, nothing, nothing less will do. You can't just be praying for a resolution of the anti-papacy. We really also need to be praying for, for the soul of Jorge Bergoglio. Um, because t it's, it's heresy to say that any human being is disqualified from our Lord's mercy or that Bergoglio's sins are so grave that they're unforgivable. Please, um, the tiny little drop of blood that was shed by our Lord at his circumcision is an infinity of mercy. Um, so to, to argue that Jorge Bergoglio has done such horrible things that he can never be forgiven, that's, that's flat out wrong. So we have to keep praying, praying, praying for Bergoglio and, of course, for Pope Benedict because we love him. Um, Our Lady Undoer of Knots and Our Lady of Copacabana, pray for us. Pray Amen. for us. And Mark, you have anything you want to wrap up with? This is Mark. Stay frosty, my friends. And until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless. place <laughs> that